Hi, I'm Corey Nathan, and this is Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. Your home for engaging conversations about the topics that matter most in our culture. If you love nuance, if you want to better understand different points of view, if you're tired of the screamers taking all the oxygen out of the room, if you'll enjoy edifying, provocative, and fun conversations among high-profile public figures and regular folks like me, you love talking politics and religion without killing each other. Thanks for spending some time with us. Enjoy today's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are talking politics and religion without killing each other. I'm your host, and we're co-produced by my pal, Tristan Drew. And as always, if you like the show, hit that subscribe button, mash that subscribe button. <laughs> Leave us a review, comments on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a shout. We want to hear from you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We really love to hear from you. Today's episode is a special one. It's the first installment of a series we're doing called The Folks of Our Town. The point of the series is to highlight the interesting people we have right here in our neighborhood. Our very own neighbors have interesting stories to tell. The other reason we're doing this is the members of our community also have a voice. Unfortunately, many of the forums where those voices are meant to be heard are being dominated by what I've called in the past, the screamers. This is the no screamer zone, unless it's me and I'm having a fit and you know it's my show so I can break my rules. But uh, <laughs> well, you know who I'm talking about. Check out the comment section of the op-ed section of The Signal. Maybe that'll, that'll get me nixed on uh, our guests, our today's guest. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I have a, an affinity for getting myself into trouble or proclivity, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, check out the op-ed section of The Signal and the comments uh, there or the comments to uh, the letters to the editor section of KHTS's website or local radio station or even a town hall, you know, who, who typically offers comments and how they're received. Nobody would want to subject themselves to the vitriol that reflexively and predictably sprinkle those forms. It's like weed killer for civic discourse, but it's gone amok in that it kills any neighborly interaction. So in this series, I'm talking politics and religion, we get to hear the voices of the folks of our town, the folks of our town that have really interesting stories to tell and whose voices deserve to be heard. So as I alluded already, one of these folks is my new friend, Aaron Bender. And Aaron is a recently widowed father of two daughters. He is the host of Santa Clarita Valley Signal's first podcast. <laughs> uh, it's called The Signal News. He also has the Aaron Bender podcast. He's actually a podcast veteran and also a veteran in the news, uh, news anchor at PasadenaNow.com and a digital and broadcast journalism professor at his own alma mater, Cal State Northridge. Aaron is also, you know, 20, like I said, 20 year veteran of the news business, having worked at KFI here in Los Angeles, WIOD in Miami and KMPH in Fresno. And uh, thanks for giving me that long runway, Aaron. <laughs> Corey, I appreciate it, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, man. So first of all, how, how are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I, I, I just, this last weekend, my daughters and I were up in Big Bear for the first time we'd, we'd never, I'm not a, I'm not a mountains guy. I, I, I get dragged kicking and screaming to the beach cause I hate the sand. Uh, but you know what? We had the invitation to go up and hang with grandparents up in big bear. And we did. And I came down off that mountain with my heart just full and 
it's something, you know, you mentioned in the intro there, my, my wife passed away in November and it's certainly something that's a trip that she would have loved to have been on. In fact, in the hospital room, she picked out on Amazon and saved in the cart all the gear that the girls were wearing this weekend. Oh, wow. You know, so she was with us and I mean, <laughs> you know, you, 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 you get up on the mountain and you just realize how tiny you are, you know, but also how much, how much power you have in this life to just enjoy today. And I, I came off that mountain in, in such a, a great mood and heart was full. And so today, like I've been looking forward to this chat for weeks and, and I, I look forward to, uh, you know, sharing my story and, and we get to, we get to talk about a lot of stuff, man. I, I'm just looking forward to it. It's it, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Good. Well, you certainly have an interesting story to tell us. And just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us a little more about yourself? So, uh, born in central California, but raised in Southern California in Covina, grew up, uh, in Covina, went to Mount San Antonio college in Walnut and, uh, eventually got to Cal state Northridge. Didn't quite know what I wanted to do while I was at Mount Sac, but, um, uh, I, I, I just, my mom and I literally sat there with the college catalog, wondering what, what what classes I should take. And I fell in love with radio, fell in love with news. That's why I went to Cal State Northridge. And as you mentioned in the intro, that took me to Fresno, took me to Miami and back here to Los Angeles for several years at KFI, spent 12 years at KFI. Uh, met my wife in 09 through some uh, mutual friends from college. We had our first daughter in 2012, Marin, and our second in 2015, Wiley. And so they're now six and eight. And I mean, just, uh, I mean, they're just, they're, they're everything. They're everything, man. You know, I, I grew up, I'm an only child and my wife has two sisters. And so it's like, I get to experience through my daughters, what it's like to have siblings, what it's like to, you know, to, to, uh, raise daughters. It's, um, yeah, it's, I'm blessed. I'm absolutely blessed, man. Just out of curiosity, how did, those are great names, Marin and Wiley. How did you decide on those names? So Marin is short for Marina, who is my wife's grandmother. Mm. And, um, so we, we, we settled on Marin. I, I kid you not, she was almost, she was very close to being Honey Bee Wiley. <laughs> and and I, I'm not going to say at the last minute, but at some point, some sense grew into us and uh, and we, we settled on Marin, Marin Ray, Ray being my, my mom's middle name. And then uh, Wiley is actually uh, my grandfather's name, my maternal grandfather's name. And... I don't know at what point we just felt like it, it could work for a girl as well. And so, uh, her, her name actually is Wiley Bean. We, we didn't get too far away from the honeybee Wiley that, <laughs> that we had some fun with the, with the second name there, but yeah, Wiley Bean, I've uh, got a lot of family members who used Wiley as middle names and they all work. They all work great, but 
there was there wasn't anybody who was like, you know what, we're going to go first name. I don't, and I don't even think my grandfather would advise to go first name because he was teased mercilessly. Uh, <laughs> grow, I think growing up in the days of Wiley E. Coyote and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, but we just said, you know what, let's go first name. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah. Well, we're sort of close because our youngest is Emerson Riley, but for the longest time oh. he pronounced his R's as W's. Emerson <laughs> Wiley. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Actually, uh, Wiley's first preschool teacher couldn't quite get the W. So her her name in school for that little bit was Riley. <laughs> we had to convince her, no, it's just the way the teacher says your name. It's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> you're the teacher. <laughs> um, how did you guys end up? Are you, So you're in Santa Clarita, right? We're in Santa Clarita now. Yeah. So we, when we, we bought our first house in Chatsworth in 2012 at what turned out to be the very bottom of the market. You know, it wasn't until months or maybe years later that they decided, okay, April of 2012 was the absolute bottom. And that's, that's when we bought that house. So when we sold it a couple of years later, um, be, as we were about to have our, um, I was, I was actually, now that I think about it, the timing, the timing of it, um, we, we, we weren't expecting, okay, but we thought, you know what, if, if we're going to uh, grow this family, we're going to need a bigger house. It was a, the house we had bought in 2012 was a three, two in Chatsworth. We said, okay, let's just, we'll keep our eye out. Well, we were just driving around looking at open houses. My wife loved looking at open houses and we found another place in Chatsworth that was on this beautiful cul-de-sac. It was honestly out of our price range, but, but the, uh, the, the realtor who became our, our friend and neighbor helped us out. And, um, we, we, we bought this great house in Chatsworth that if you go to, Oh my gosh, if you go to Redfin or Zillow now, yeah. Talk about regrets. It's like, <laughs> seriously, it's like 1.1 or 1.2 oh, mil man. or whatever it was. But we sold that in 2017 because we had kids about to start school and the schools in Chatsworth were just not up to snuff. Yeah. We had, uh, we had one of my wife's sisters was, uh, you know, here in Santa Clarita working for the Saugus school district and said, you should really check out the houses up here, check out the schools up here. And we did. And they're, they're as good as private schools in the Valley. So we, we pulled the trigger and we, we got this house in 2017, new build. And, um, I mean, just, it, it was an amazing experience really getting to, um, get the, get the girls into the school we wanted, um, with, with some amazing teachers. It just basically for the price that we were paying in the Valley that we would be paying for private schools, what we're paying now in property taxes and Mellow Roos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Mellow Roos. Ah, yeah. But, right. but the, but the schools are great. The schools are great. So that's why we moved to Santa Clarita. And as I've talked about, like with, um, you know, with, with the people on the, the signal podcast, uh, including Mayor Miranda, who I, I, I know you've, you have actually, you have plans to talk with him, right? I um, just reached out to him today. He's a, he's a okay. friend and I so, miss seeing him. I used to see him all, uh, you know, chamber of commerce meetings and different community events. I miss yeah. hanging out with him. But one of the things that, uh, that I've talked about with him and others is the, the wide streets in Santa Clarita, you move here and you don't realize that they can put three left turn lanes going the same direction. <laughs> I, I had no idea that that even existed. Um, you know, but it just, it's, it's worked out. It's worked out. That's great. That's great. Yeah. We're on the opposite side of that. We 
picked the worst day in history to possibly buy a house. It was, uh, I think, January. Yeah, I think it was January of 2005. And it was like the worst, not just because the prices were where they were, it was before interest rates really started coming down. Right. So we got right. the high price and the high mortgage. And then by the time that interest rates started coming down, we were we were so upside down on our house, you know, yeah. we even though we put a decent amount of money down, but uh yeah, it was what just was that a, interest rate? You remember back in 05? I mean, I, I want to blow people away here because the the idea that in the last 10 years there are single digit interest rates yeah. for anybody who bought before 09, it's 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 mind boggling. Yeah. Well, we were in the single digits, if I remember correctly. I think we were at about six and a quarter, maybe six and three okay. quarters. See, that's that's what ours was in 2012 when we bought, and then again in 2014, it was in the it was in the fours. I just refied um, in December and January for two and a half. <laughs> two and a half, man. Oh my god! Just the idea that it's even possible, let alone that I could get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, that's uh, that's great. Santa Cruz is better better with you. <laughs> so we're glad <laughs> to have you. Man. So I mentioned that you were doing the news in LA, Miami, Fresno. It also looks like you had a, a really good run at iHeart. Yeah. So KFI, um, actually KFI and WIOD both are iHeart stations. So okay. from 04 to, to 2019. And um, that separated in 2019. I basically, I made so many mistakes in my life that led to my losing my job in 2019. It was, it was my dream job. Mm. I was working with Tim Conway Jr. doing nights. Uh, that's when I feel like I'm at my most creative. And it was it was fantastic. And I just, I made so many mistakes off the air that, um, that they, I left them no choice, basically. Was, I, I left them no choice but to say, you know what, you got to go. Yeah. And, and it wasn't until uh, my wife's, diagnosis in, in early 2020, when we learned that, that her breast cancer had come back and spread. And then the pandemic two months later took hold and the girls were, you know, home from school and I'm, I'm home teaching my classes at CSUN via Zoom. And it was only then that I realized that why I was fired when I was fired and, and how grateful I am that I was. And, and how much of a gift it was and an opportunity it was because I had the time to take care of my wife. I had the time to reconnect with my family and, and be there and be here at home when they needed me most. If I was still working and still, you know, just basically messing up my life on a daily basis, if if I was still doing that, I, I wouldn't have been present for them. I wouldn't mm. have been uh, emotionally and mentally and physically available to them. And, 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 you know, I heart was really, really good to me. And, but I left them no choice. If I may ask, what are some of those mistakes? And if you're in a situation similar in the future, what might you do differently? Well, I mean, the, the, the mistakes I made were, um, a lot of distractions, you know, uh, uh, trusting people I shouldn't have giving power to people I shouldn't have given power to. And, 
um, you know, it's, it, it, it boils down to lots of hiding, lots of lying, lots of, of, you know, just getting myself in situations I, I shouldn't have gotten myself into. And, and so, you know, if, if presented with opportunities to live my life that way again, um, you know, I have, I have, uh, people in, in support groups that I turn to, I have my therapist that I turn to, but honestly, and, and this, you know, this, I, I feel like, especially with, I know this is the, the first part in your series, folks of our town, but you know, you go back to the idea of talking politics and religion without killing each other. You know, my, I, I give everything to God now, mm. you know, I, I used to try to play God. I used to try to manipulate situations, manipulate people, into, you know, doing what I wanted them to do or feeling the way I wanted them to feel. And now if, if something comes up that I, you know, I feel like I can't handle, I do what I can and I give the rest to God. Yeah. If I have feelings of discomfort or, or especially since my wife passed, the survivor's guilt has been huge the 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 idea that the idea that of this marriage the better person is no longer with us is that weighs on me every day and the only reason that i you know make it through the day and the only reason i wake up in the morning other you know other than my daughters really is the idea that I, I, I give all of that to God. I just surrender it. I just, I just pray for the strength and I, I just basically let him handle the rest. What do you mean by giving it to God? So for example, when I am overcome with either sadness or guilt, because I'm here and she's not, or just grief in general. I feel I I first off, a, a huge difference from a couple of years ago and and for the first you know, forty plus years of my life. Is I feel those feelings. You know I I don't try to distract myself. I don't try to. You know make jokes so that I, I, I deflect. And so I, first off, I feel those feelings. If I want to feel, if I feel sad, I just feel sad for however long I feel like I need to. If I want to cry, I cry. If, if I feel guilt, I feel that guilt, but then I literally just pray. I say, you know, in the name of the father, the son of the Holy spirit, hello, God, it's me again please help me with this grief. Please help me with this guilt. Please help me with this sadness. I know you can take care of it. I, I give it to you. I surrender it to you. I please give me the strength to get through what I'm feeling and help my daughters do the same because everything that I'm feeling, they're probably feeling too. And to give me the strength to help them through it and give them the strength to get through it 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And 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 that's for me, that's helped because as I've tried to explain to my daughters, as it was explained to me just recently, because I'm I've I was raised Catholic but never baptized. So you know, I, I, I basically, my grandfather took me to Catholic church and, and in Covina, St. Louis and said, okay, this is when we stand. This is when we sit. This is when we kneel. I looked forward to those chimes around communion because they were, they sounded so beautiful, but I couldn't go up to communion for communion. At that time, either it wasn't encouraged or, or perhaps my grandfather just didn't want me to do it. But now you can go up if, if you, if you've not been baptized or you've not been to confession or whatnot, you can go up and get a blessing from the priest. You just put yeah. your arms, you cross your arms under the chest, but that without, I couldn't even do that. So fast forward to my wife is Catholic. Our daughters are Catholic. I'm going to Catholic church on a regular basis throughout our, our marriage. And, you know, I'm trying to teach my daughters what it's about, but I also need to learn myself. And so I, I've been going through classes off and on. The pandemic has gotten in the way of that. My wife's illness has gotten in the way of that. But, you know, as I, as I teach my daughters, if you're presented with a boulder to try to lift by yourself, it's impossible. But if you get those around you to help, it's going to be a lot easier. If you get God to help you, it's going to be the easiest because he can handle anything. His shoulders are huge. His heart is huge anybody and anything that that you give to him he can handle yeah yeah oftentimes god shows up uh through the other people in your life you know and uh you, you mentioned lifting that boulder the imagery uh, the bible uses is yoked equally yoked and it uses it for different situations but you know, when you got one, one ox trying to trudge through the mud, uh, with, with that one yoke on its back, it's, it, it could get rough. Right. But when you spread that yoke equally across any number of, of creatures, um, and, and you're pulling together in the same direction, it gets immensely easier, yeah. uh, or less difficult. Um, and I, I will say shout out to Santa Clarita. There's so many different groups some of them are secular. Many are religious, whether it's churches, synagogues. You know, when our boy, uh, the we have three kids, daughter and, and two boys. Uh, the older of the two boys was going through a drug issue. Um, he actually found this great group called A Light of Hope. And he was going to that one. And they have a parents group right next door that we were going to. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you, man, like some of those things that we were going through, I thought we needed to keep to ourselves. Or I shouldn't put it that way. I, I thought that this was such a unique experience that it was going to be hard to relate this to anyone. Right. And there's all these feelings of like guilt and shame and just anger and, you know, just like gnarliness, you know, but sitting in that room and hearing other parents talk about their story with their kids um, and them feeling exactly the same thing, you know, knowing that, you know what, it's human. And even if it's still gnarly, having this gnarliness together uh, somehow enables you to like take that next breath, you know? And sometimes that's all it is, man. It's just like, you know, how do I get that next breath? How do I take that next step? How do I wake up that next day? You know, how do I get through this day? 
um, you know, and then just like being with people uh, makes it somehow bearable, you know? I absolutely know. And, and it's not something that I've really even accepted or, or considered, but one of the reasons I'm doing my podcast now, the way I'm doing it is people need to know that it's okay to share. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be vulnerable. And that's not something, and, and I talk about this with my guests, that's not something that a few years ago, I even knew what they meant when they said, embrace the sadness or embrace, you know, sink into it and lean into it. I don't know that I really knew what that meant. I, I, I don't think I did. And only in this last year and a half, when God basically said, you need to sit your butt down and focus on priorities. I know, you know, it, you're, you're, you're losing your job. Yes, but you are not your job. You are a husband. You are a father. You are a person. And right now, as a person, you suck. <laughs> and you've got, you've got to get your ass together, man. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was, it was a gift. It was an absolute gift. And it, it took a while, a very, very tough, ugly, angry, just terrible while for me to realize what that gift was and, and that it even was a gift. Yeah. I can only imagine that sometimes success is even harder to handle than the struggles on the way to success or even failure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I let it, I let it go to my head. I thought that I could do anything and be anybody and be anywhere. And, and no, at, at some point that out of control train is going to run off the tracks. That, that, that speeding train is just going to go off the tracks. You know, I had this moment where I realized in a way I, I got lucky from some of the worst proclivities that could have overtaken me. Um, and I discovered it uh, not too long ago. I, I met up with a buddy in Vegas and I, re I recalled the first time we went to Vegas, we were literally. <laughs> imagine all, I imagine all the stories that could start with that. <laughs> I met up with a buddy in Vegas. Hold well, on, Corey. I'm going to get my popcorn. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Well, literally the first time that we were in Vegas, we were 18. He, he and I were part of this great group of high school kids and we raised a bunch of money for Muscular Dystrophy Association. So we got to, we, uh, uh, my buddy and I were, I won't say his name, um, but we, <laughs> we got to, uh, you know, fly to Vegas and present Jerry Lewis with a big old check of all the money that we raised on the telethon. And part of, you know, part of it was that they paid for us to go out to Vegas and oh, the kid, um, He's not a kid. He's uh, Chris, Christopher. Oh, gosh. What is his name? I can't believe I ever forgot his name. What's that movie where the two kids got stranded on an island? This has had to have been like 1978, 79. Not the Blue Lagoon. The Blue Lagoon. Okay. So, so Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields. And Chris, we were with Chris. And Chris Atkins. Okay, so it was Christopher Atkins. So we got to spend the weekend with Christopher Atkins. And the dude was not quite done with all of his partying. <laughs> so we had, but, you know, at, the, at that age, we, um, we didn't have, we, didn't, we had all the energy in the world to get into all kinds of trouble 
but we didn't have any money to get us into trouble. Right. Right. And then finally we grew up, got jobs, started, you know, getting to a point where, you know, if we wanted to go spend a weekend in Vegas and go crazy, we could. But by that time, we just didn't have the energy. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I hear <laughs> that. The money to I get, totally get, hear that. Get into trouble. But then, you know, 10, 10, 30 rolls around. We're like, I think I got to go back to the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was the opposite in that when I turned 18, given the level of Native American blood I have flowing through my brain, my, my brains also, yes, but <laughs> flowing through my veins, I got a check from the federal government for like 10,000 bucks or whatever it was when I turned 18. And then shortly thereafter, I, I got some money that my dad had set aside for me. And given what I was going through in my life, that was, that was a, a dangerous combination. <laughs> and I, and I blew through all of it. It didn't take it. It took a while. Yes. Yeah. But, but when it came time to repair a car or buy a new car because the old one couldn't be repaired anymore. And my mom said, well, just, you know, just dip into that. And I had to tell her I ain't got nothing to dip into. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, I, I, I wanted to ask you also about your podcast business when you started getting into podcasts, but I, I I'm curious also having been in LA, Miami and Fresno, how different can, how different are they from one newsroom to the next? Not much, not okay. much. Yeah. Fresno was, was, I, I feel like Fresno was the most extreme because we were the redheaded stepchild to the TV station that was under the same umbrella. So, um, you know, we, we basically had to put it, put everything together with spit and tape and gum wow. and that kind of thing. And that radio station, by the way, no longer in existence. The TV station is KMPH Fox 26. Shout out to whoever owns that now, because I don't think it's the same company. But that was the most intense because we had such a skeleton crew. By the time I left there, I was getting there at about three or four in the morning to edit and anchor the morning newscasts. I I would take a break until like maybe 10 or 12, maybe two. And I, I would come back and I would anchor the afternoon newscasts because we didn't have anybody left by that point. Wow. And most often there was no split shift to be had. It was just, oh, there's stories to cover. All right. I guess I'm staying. And, and I, that's, that's probably, that's when I gained the most weight because <laughs> there was, Within two blocks driving distance, we were right near the uh, the Fresno airport. There was a KFC, a Wendy's, McDonald's, Carl's Jr., and Taco Bell. And No Whole Foods? No, gosh, no. Oh, I wish. I wish. Although I don't know that I could have afforded Whole Foods back then, right. uh, making a, what it was, twenty dollars or $21,000 a year. So that was the most intense, really. Then you get to Miami. And I was, I was hired to work the best shift. I kid you not, Corey, if I could snap my fingers and have this shift for any job for the rest of my life, it would be this noon to eight. Oh, that's great. In Miami, noon to eight. That is great. So you're getting off in time for a nice dinner. Yes. Getting it. Oh, so good. It was so good. Um, and then they changed my shift to 
the second best shift ever, it was 11 to 7. Okay. So I was, hey, I'm on board. I'm on board. And then, uh, then we needed, they, they needed a morning anchor. So I switched to mornings and, and, uh, but that's actually, if we go outside of the newsroom, um, that's actually where I was depressed because I had moved across the country. I, I didn't take the time. That was the 04 to 07 was the advent really of, of MySpace. Okay. And MySpace had really kind of taken over. And so I, I just kind of dove into that instead of actually going out to meeting people and, and, um, you know, hanging out outside. I kid you not, man, I probably went to the beach in the three years I worked there. I probably went to the beach 10 or 12 times, maybe. Oh, wow. 15 times. Yeah. I should have just lived on South Beach for six months just to see what it was like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, granted, I might not have survived, but at least, <laughs> at least the experience would have been there. Um, but like I said, I'm not a beach guy, but I should have been a beach guy because the beach there is it's warmer, you know, than the Pacific ocean. I love, by the way, when East coast people come out and go to the beach here and they're like, what is this ice water you've got here on the beach? Um, but, but that's, that's actually, and I didn't really know it at the time, but that's where I sunk into a depression because I, 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 I didn't go outside of those newsroom walls or my apartment walls really all that much should have never did. I think we went to Orlando once a buddy and I, um, and I went over to the West coast of Florida once or twice. I, I was, you know, part homesick, I think just not being in California, not having the support system, not having the family, but also, even if I did, I don't know that I would have really relied on them and, and leaned on them as much as I, as I would now, if, if I had, if I was thrown into that same situation. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you anticipated one of my next questions is the cities. Did you find vast differences between each city or are people just people who are just doing a different dance? So South Florida uh, and Florida in general, it has a reputation of being really weird and just a collection of like California, for example, Los Angeles, is is a collection of transplants um and for the most part florida is the same way just much weirder it is it there's a reason if you go to fark.com one of the original <laughs> aggregators and, and collectors of of news sites there's a reason florida has its own tag because there is no other place like it it is it is just so odd but by and large to your point people are just people you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I lived in Davie, which is one of the suburbs of Miami, Fort Lauderdale. And then I lived in Fort Lauderdale. So I don't know that I really got to experience again. If I had lived on South beach, I really could have maybe experienced all the craziness and the weirdness firsthand. But, um, I, I've, I was kind of isolated from that, but to your point about Vegas earlier, you brought up uh, the story about Vegas. Miami is kind of like Vegas with a beach. <laughs> it's, there are very few rules when you get into South beach, very few, there's, there's almost no, you could party there 24 hours a day. There is a party somewhere to be had, you know, coming from California where the, you know, the, the bars close at two. So the last call is at one or one thirty. Yeah. You get out there. And a lot of the parties don't start until one thirty or two o'clock in the morning. 
you know, some places literally do not open until then. <laughs> and, and so it is Vegas with a beach and, and there is an outlet for almost any kind of either addiction or proclivity or uh, adventure that you, there, there is a place for that no matter where you turn in, yeah. in Miami. Sorry. I don't know if you can hear, but for some reason, my neighbor's leaf blower, he, <laughs> he apparently just parked right outside my window. <laughs> I can barely hear it, but okay. uh, that's what I love about podcasting is the ambiance. Yeah. yeah just <laughs> put them, put them right in your home there, Corey. Oh my gosh. Um, we, it's amazing how, I mean, we're good friends with our neighbors you yeah. know, but it's amazing how Gordy, our our neighbors on this side, their dog, decides, I, I'm going to find out Corey's schedule, and that's when I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> I think he knows. I think he has. He's like on Google yeah. Calendar, and Gordy knows. He's like he's setting his watch to it. <laughs> well, do yeah. you have your setup in your office? It looks like I am. Yeah, yeah. But I know, like, if I were really professional, I'd set up my closet with all the blankets and the, you know. Well, but, that's since we've talked, I I actually have set up my wife's closet. So okay. if you look over there, yeah, I, I've taken one of our comforters. Oh, and okay. It's, and it's on the wall. Yeah. Right. And Perfect. then over to the left, I've got another one just hanging there. Great. And then behind this monitor, I've got a third. So um, it was either that or seriously, man, I was this close to putting up walls in this closet to just create you know, whatever I needed to create to either, you know, block off all sound, but, but really it got to the point where I felt like I was probably blocking off me yeah, from yeah. the rest of the world. And so I said, let me try it first with these blankets and comforters and duvets, and then let's see what else I might need on top of that. And it turns out I need nothing. Okay. <laughs> the Shure mic I'm using, by the way, the SM7B, that helps a lot because if I talk over here, you can barely hear me. Yeah. So uh, that this microphone is really good for that as well. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. It's a beautiful, I, beautiful microphone. When my dad is a co-host, we I need to get I need to get a mic that attaches to the earphone. Yes. So that it's at a constant, you know, position in relation to his mouth. Because my my father he can't <laughs> he can't not move. Like he, he, he moves like John Travolta when he talks, he, you know, in Saturday night, he's, you know, he, because moving is a part of thinking and he not think and the bodily noises that comes out of this old Jewish man. I never knew until I started editing. And I'm like, Dad, the microphones pick up so much, so much. I That's never great. knew he breathed like his breathing was with, I, I didn't know you could breathe Jewish. Like he breathes <laughs> Jewish. I didn't know that this was a thing. I, <laughs> I, I love the stories you told, by the way, on my podcast. And that's, that's, you know, out now as well. But um, the stories you told about your, your dad, your, your parents, of course, while you were coming out to them as, <laughs> as Catholic, as, as Catholic as a, or as Christian, Christian, as Christian, yeah. Christian, coming out to them as Christian, Oh my gosh. Just going back over that episode. I, I laughed out loud, just editing. I'm like, it's not like I've never heard this before. I was the one he was telling it to, but coming back to, you know, to, to cut clips for promos and things, 
Just so funny. Just so funny. <laughs> so speaking of podcasts, how, how did you get into the podcast business in the first place? So working at KFI, I, I, I just felt like I was best first as an anchor. I love to anchor the news. I, I covering breaking news is, is one of the things that, you know, kind of got me up in the morning, if you will. But when I would host shows, whether it was filling for Tim Conway Jr. or hosting on the weekends or whatever they wanted me to do, I felt like I was best just having conversations with people. I'm not a very good talk show host where you can tell you can you you tell me, okay, you've got an eight minute segment to fill, go. That's not my bag. It took yeah. me a long time to realize that. It took me uh, a while for for example, when I was uh, I at at some point, I think it was 2016, might have been 15, they moved me to mornings and they they asked me to host what was called a wake up call at five in the morning. And the previous host, Gary Hoffman, also Santa Clarita resident, by the way, great radio guy, great host, great news anchor, uh, just a, an all around amazing on air presence. And so they say, okay, Bender, your turn. <laughs> and you don't want to be the guy to follow the guy. <laughs> and, and, and so it was, it was difficult for me. It was difficult because he's a great talk show host and great newsman. And he could fill seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. And they asked me to do the same. And me being the arrogant SOB I was, <laughs> and sometimes still am, quite frankly, um, I I was like, oh, I could totally do that. But when you when you think you can do that, but you walk in unprepared, when you walk in exhausted, when you walk in just like, you know, the show starts at five and you get there at four twenty-five. Yeah. That's not going to fly, man. That's not going to work. And so, you know, I, 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 I felt like I was best when I was talking with people. So I started to incorporate interviews that I would do after the show. And then I would cut clips to play during the, during that five o'clock hour. And I eventually got moved out of mornings again, wasn't very good. The ratings were terrible. So they moved me back to evenings with Tim Conway Jr. Again, a gift. Yeah. You know, you, you you would think demotion, but seriously, it was it was a gift. And and so, a couple of times, I want to say over the holidays, yeah, over the holidays, 2018, I was hosting a couple of shows because Tim was out, and I let's say I had, I don't know, 24 segments to fill, I think. 18 or 20 of those were just full of my talking with people, whether it was live or taped, but mostly live, just about their, their lives and their, their careers. And, you know, it, it's the end of the year. So we're talking a lot about what, what are your stories of the year? You know, what, what did you cover? What, what made it the most impact? So that gave me the idea to say this, this could totally be a podcast. Everybody I just talked to right now would probably be able to have that same conversation with me again, but instead of telling them after eight minutes, hold that thought, let's, we got to take a break for news and we'll come back and we'll try to pick it up. Instead, let's just have that long form conversation. Talk about your journey, talk about your career, talk about what you're working on now, what's next for you. And, and so that's where the Newsbender podcast 
was born in early 2019 and had a good run, 49 episodes. The 50th episode was actually one of the editors there interviewing me. And that came out the same day that I was suspended before being fired. So <laughs> that we, we quickly deleted that one because that would, that would be a little odd and awkward. And so what I'm trying to do with this new podcast is it's not so much about news and news personalities. That's why I called it the Newsbender. It was a, a take on a, se a segment actually we did on the show, on the Conway show. But this one is less about news and news personalities and news media. I'm opening it up to everybody. If you're a personality in media, whether that's TikTok or traditional news or you're, you're a YouTuber or an Instagram star or whatever like that, singer, songwriter, if, if you've got a story to tell, I want to help you tell it. I want to, I want to get you to tell that story because everybody has a story. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do with this new podcast. And I just really enjoy, as, as you know, from being in this space, the space to do stuff. There is no clock ticking. Right. That's right. You know, and wherever that story goes, wherever that conversation goes, I'm cool with it. Yeah, that's I'm cool great. with it. I do very little editing, as we talked about when, when we talked for, for my podcast. I do very little editing. I got to take a cue from, from you, man. <laughs> Seriously, for every ten minutes, it's it's about an hour of editing. I'm over editing. I'm sure I'm over editing. Well, like for example, in in this particular conversation, if if I was editing it for my podcast, I would probably take out a few of my stops and starts. Yeah. Like where, where I'm stuttering, where I'm just like, dude, just say it already. Because a lot of times, <laughs> like I, there was one time where I asked somebody like a 75 second question. <laughs> just get to which, it. <laughs> which, which if you're trying to set it up and you tell a story and all this, but really the, I only left in the last five seconds because this first 70 seconds were just me trying to get to the last five seconds. <laughs> and so I, I cut out that 70 seconds. I don't always because sometimes that 70 seconds actually has some value to it. Yeah. But I do very little editing for my podcast. I, I try to leave as much in as possible, except for the stuff that maybe a guest says specifically, hey, could you take that out? Could you right. edit that out? Or, right. you know, you, you, you can clearly tell that whatever they said for that first 15 seconds wasn't really what they meant. And it's really, it's not quite, not quite uh, how they want to go with it because the next three minutes, they went a completely different direction. I'll take that out. That's fine. You know, who, who am I to leave it in? I'm not, I'm not in the gotcha business. You right. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. If you could say one thing to your local politician, what would it be? <sighs> wow. Wow. I knew at some point we'd get to politics. <laughs> I'm it's weird. I'm more comfortable talking religion as somebody who's not even been baptized. I'm more comfortable talking religion than I am politics because I, I spent, I spent, you know, 25 years in school and as a working professional in the news business, not having opinions, you know, yeah. I, I, I kind of call it like I see it if we're talking facts, but I don't know. I, I, I think, I think honestly for the local politicians, I feel like they're doing a really decent job because 
having purchased houses in the San Fernando Valley, having rented in the San Fernando Valley, I know what disrepair looks like when I'm, when I'm driving down the road and that same pothole that I've been avoiding for two months is still <laughs> there for the next five. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Uh, the first year I was here in Santa Clarita and I was driving at least one of my daughters, it might've been both to, to school. And I say that because, you know, one just turned six. So it, I was either taking them to preschool or maybe she was back home with, with mommy, whatever the case. I was driving past a street that the traffic light was flashing red. And that was unusual for this particular street. Okay. There was no power outage. There was no anything. I called before eight in the morning. I called the street maintenance, traffic light maintenance. I looked it up online. What number should I call for this particular intersection? I called, somebody picked up the phone <laughs> and they were, she was very nice to me. I've since called that number several more times over the, the subsequent years. And I think it's the same person who keeps picking it up and bless her heart. But, um, I dropped off my girls at school and as I'm driving home, less than 30 minutes after making that phone call, there is a man at the intersection repairing the signal. How about that? And, and you'd never get that in Los Angeles. There, I, you'd be hard pressed to find that in almost any other city in Southern California, but it was here. And I'm not going to say everything's all rosy and hunky dory and, and, and whatever, but just by and large, I feel like they're doing a decent job because when I get together with family here in town who live here in town or friends, our conversations many times when we lived in Los Angeles, our conversations were dominated by how much traffic it took just to go five miles or how, how bad the roads are or how congested it is like, okay, I've got to leave now to go to the store because I know it's going to take an hour just to find parking, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And we just, we just don't have to worry about that here. And, and I, so I feel like, honestly, I feel like they're doing a decent job. However, between now and the time uh, <laughs> you post this episode, if something happens, I reserve the right to call you up and say, <laughs> let's record a little something because I've got up. a bone to pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't prepare what would, you. What would you say? What would you say? I would. Well, the, the one that comes to mind, first of all, I love Scott Wilk. I think, you know, especially the work he's done now into his second term in the state Senate uh, regarding the same CMEX uh, or CEMEX contract, I think is really important because it would affect us in terms of traffic. It would affect us in terms of air quality. Uh, it would very likely affect the water quality as well. I think, you know, there's really tangible results from his continued fight on that and other fronts too. I appreciate the fact that he has, even though he's a Republican, he has a diverse staff, Democrats, independents, um, as well as diverse in terms of backgrounds and ethnicities. I feel like he really represents this district. I have to get to know, get to know our new assembly member, but when Christy was uh, a representative in the assembly, I thought she did great. I think that she is she, uh, her disposition or, or default posture is more 
liberal than mine, but I thought she did a great job at reaching out to folks like me, small business owners here in this valley and incorporating, not, not just giving lip service, but I saw that um, legislation that she was involved in crafting, that she worked into that legislation. It didn't always pass, but worked into that legislation stuff that I knew were, were she heard in the meetings with us small business owners. Uh, she's not there anymore. She lost the, um, she ran for the US seat, uh, California 25. I would say to Mike Garcia, our ha uh, representative in the US Congress, represent us, represent us. Don't represent a radical fringe because that's all he's doing right now. He won this district by less than one-tenth of 1%. 1 represent the purple district that we are, not the loudest, most obnoxious radicals on one fringe. And I know he gives he gives lip service to, uh, you know, the salt tax and, and what have you. These these completely um, they're, they're dead before they even get started because he never it never even occurs to him to possibly reach out to say a Tim Ryan, a centrist Democrat, to reach out across the aisle and work with, you know, his his colleagues that happen to have a different letter before their name. And because he doesn't do that, he knows that he can present all the bills he wants and they're never going to go anywhere. Because he, if you read his newsletters, if you read his articles, if you read his website, you can tell that he sees at least half of his constituency as nothing short of enemies in, in his language. Yeah, and, and, and it goes, it, it speaks to, you know, the Santa Clarita has the reputation that Orange County used to have, that it's, it's all red. And surprisingly, and again, having moved here only a few years ago, I thought it was all red and yeah, the red parts are loud and they are vocal and they are visible. But to, to your point, it, it is a purple district, Santa Clarita, Simi Valley. I don't know. Um, I don't know of another place in Southern California that really kind of has that reputation outside of parts of Orange County, but uh, Santa Clarita and Simi Valley have that reputation of, of being Trump country or radical red country. And it's really not. Yeah, it's um, I was talking to Mike Madrid, who spe specializes in numbers. He came up in California politics, eventually got involved in national politics, but still really knows Southern. He grew up in Ventura. He's a numbers guy, uh, was a longtime Republican until recent elections. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, a lot of us conservatives no longer identify as Republicans, but he still knows the numbers and he knows that California 25 is Democrat plus five, Democrat plus six, right around there. If they redraw the lines and, you know, after the census, it might skew a little bit Democrat plus, you know, a little bit more. But because of how turnout is for elections, especially in um, uh, midterm elections, the uh, Democrat plus five is going to be a really close race. If it's Democrat plus 10, Democrat plus 12, then it's a blue district. But right. Democrat plus five is why we got 50-50, you know, with Mike earning 333 votes to the positive out of 350,000. So um, I give him a lot of credit for running a, a hard campaign, you know, and and the kind of campaign that he run, he, he wasn't in that seat. He won the special election, obviously, last spring, um, and he wasn't in that seat long enough to have had a significant record. He ran a campaign that indicated even to guys like me that, okay, you know, he's he's going to be more like a Scott Wilk type Republican and yep. not a Marjorie Taylor Greene Republican. Uh, <laughs> but but he's been behaving like a Marjorie Taylor Greene Republican. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame because that's not the district that we are. She represents Georgia 14, uh, which is great. Um, I mean, it's not great, like, but they elected her. She was duly elected by that district, uncontested in the general, uh, won the primary by 75 points or something crazy like that. So she's representing her constituency. That's not our constituency. That's not that's not who California 25 is. So I just I wish he'd represent that. You know, I'd re- represent uh, folks like us. Shout out Scott Wilk, by the way, who actually his office, whoever saw my wife's obituary in the paper, they sent us a, a very nice letter. Oh man! Um, after my wife passed away, which you don't expect. Yeah. And and you know it it didn't read like a form letter. Yeah. It didn't read like just boilerplate. Okay, let's let's go ahead and stamp it. It was it was very nice. Yeah, they're great over there. Yeah, he's he's a good man. I I, I really respect him. Uh, what did I forget to ask you? Oh gosh, <laughs> I have I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm colorblind. Um, what else? I had laser eye surgery five years ago. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't I don't know. One of the best know. journalists I ever interviewed. Her name's Anna Palmer, who is part of Punchbowl News. Uh, she used mm-hmm. to run Politico's Playbook with uh, her partner in crime over there, Jake Sherman. I asked her a version of that question. She said, that's a great question. I always ask a version of that question. So I, I'm always going to ask that, you know, if the great journalist tells you that's a good yeah. question, I'm going to keep on asking it. One of the things I always tell my students after they've finished asking whatever questions of, of that source is, I think that does it for my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, that's a good way and to ask it. That's yeah. That's been my form letter, if you will, for the last yeah. 20 plus years Yeah, is, is that version of it. So this might get me into trouble because you already had an interview with me, but do you have any questions for me? <laughs> you know what? I, I actually feel like the conversation you and I had, I, there are a lot of conversations that I have with newsmakers over the years. Uh, I'd say 95% of the time I walk away from it thinking of over the next X number of hours or days, all kinds of questions I should have asked. <laughs> All kinds. And and I actually am going to uh, start doing these episodes every now and then of stuff I should have asked. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to go back and I'm going to I'm going to ask DJ EFN, uh, you know, about the conference that he went to that kicked off his career. I'm going to ask more about that and, and ask more about fatherhood. And and I'll, I'll talk to, you know, some of my other guests about, you know, like, hey, I, I didn't ask this, but I kid you not, having listened to our conversation in the editing process, I feel like we touched on everything that I wanted to touch on and, and more and more. I'd love to hear more about your relationship with your dad because listeners of your podcast get to hear him every now and then as a co-host, but I'd love to hear more, especially as somebody who's, who's now a single father, a widowed father to two girls. I always want to talk to parents about how their relationships are with their kids or their parents. A couple things come to mind. One is when I was just coming into my own consciously, I had kind of a random interest 
in ichthyology, the study of fish. Oh my goodness. I, yeah. I had, I've never heard that word before in my life. <laughs> now, what I, is it? Cause I think the zoom cut out a little bit. It's ichthyology. Ichthyology. Yeah. And, uh, so my dad, at least once a week, we would drive all over New Jersey, going to these fish stores, aquariums, to get fish for my, my aquarium, or to look at other fish. Or we had a doctor in our town that had incredible fish tanks with all, one salt water, one fresh with, and so, he had no interest in fish. He had no interest in ichthyology. What he had an interest in was in spending time with me and uh, encouraging my interest in something completely random. <laughs> you know, So that's, that's the kind of dad he was. It kind of puts me to shame to be completely, just to confess here. Uh, I don't know if I would have that patience with my kids if they had a random interest. You know, the older of the two boys, you know, he got a Mustang. Uh, I wasn't approving of it, but he got a Mustang and he just, the sound of that engine, he just, it just fires him up, man. He just gets all kinds of excited. Just listening to the revving of that engine. I couldn't care less. I'm just not a car guy. Yeah. And I'm trying, yeah. like, I remember that story with my dad and I'm trying to, you know, the best I could do is Jack, I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I just, I can't, I just don't have that saintly patience that my dad has. But the other thing that comes to mind is my dad's relationship with my kids. He has the same kind of disposition. He just really cherishes and values being there in a very concrete way, you know? So that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that tells you anything different or new about my relationship with my dad, but he the expression being there for someone, it, it's very concrete with my pop. So I, I know that I'm very, very, very lucky in that regard. I'm also lucky that I genuinely enjoy hanging out with him. He annoys the shit out of me <laughs> sometimes <laughs> as, as any good uh, father should, but um, no, but there's definitely a deep respect uh, and affinity. Uh, we enjoy being with each other you know, and enjoying a, a good whiskey with each other. They'll be over here in a couple of days. This will air next Wednesday. So in between now, when we're recording yeah. it and when we release the episode, we're having our Seder, you know, and even though yeah. I'm a Christian, I still observe uh, many of the Jewish holidays and traditions uh, because it's my family. It's our heritage. It's my children's heritage. And we just enjoy times like that where we go through the Passover. It's like a Seder means order. It's an ordered dinner. Uh, that you observe for the Passover. So that'll be fun. Um, and it'll, my parents both have their vaccines, so we'll be able to be together as family. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Well, I don't know your dad, but if you could at some point, just A, tell him I said hi. Because uh, uh, if he's as entertaining, <laughs> if he's as entertaining in person as he has been on the podcast and uh, in your stories, then please tell him I said hi and thank you. Uh, but also just uh, just just let him know that there are people in your life who want to thank him for the job he did with you. Oh man! Well, I'll uh, I'll let him know that this episode 
is one that he needs to listen to. So <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Yeah, he's the genuine article. You know what? So okay, I, I'll tell you this. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I had my dad on is because we enjoy hanging out with each other. Also, because we compliment each other. He's more liberal than I am politically. I'm more conservative. He's also a non-Christian Jew, and I'm, but I still identify as a Jew. I'm a I'm a Jew, but. I believe in the whole Jesus thing. I'm a, I'm a Christian. So there are compliments there. There's another reason. I don't know if I've ever said this out loud, but um, the other reason is that I think one of the successful ingredients to a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to is that it requires, there's so much material and it, the non-scripted versions of it, mm -hmm. it requires an authenticity of the host, right? Because eventually, if you have hours and hours and hours of unscripted material, even if all I'm doing is asking the questions and you're full of shit, eventually that's gonna come out, right? Mm -hmm. So if I have my dad there and I'm full of shit, he'll either call me out on it or, you know, I, I can't, basically I can't be, I can't be, you know? Right. Right. So we've had some discrepancies, you know, like the way that he tells the story of me becoming a Christian. There's some discrepancies, <laughs> you know, we remember things differently. Or as my mother says, when she doesn't like how something happened in the past, her her go to is, I know you remember it that way, you know, and it just drives me to drink. It's, I swear, <laughs> I, like, you know, um, but uh, no, I, I with my dad and we interviewed my brother uh, as a tribute to frontline workers. Uh, at the year anniversary of the first lockdowns, uh, we had my brother on too. So when you have your immediate family members, you can't be full of shit with your immediate family members. Right, right. So that was one of yeah. the big reasons. I, I I hear that. And that's one of the reasons I feel like the, the, the first podcast I did a couple of years ago, it was, it was good because I got a lot of people to share their stories, but I never shared mine because I couldn't be authentic. I, that just wasn't in my nature. Mm. I, I was wearing too many masks, hiding too many things, had too many skeletons. And so that's one of the reasons I've embraced and enjoyed this podcast because uh, the podcast I'm doing now, yeah, because I don't need to wear a mask anymore. I don't, I don't need to hide anything anymore because I've made peace with I've made peace with how I used to live my life. I've forgiven myself. God has forgiven me, my wife, my family. They've all they've all forgiven me and we just live today and we just live to do the next right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a great segue because my very next question is, is how can we find you, your podcast? It's the Aaron Bender podcast, which, by the way, you, you've it's relatively new, but you've had some impressive guests on there already and some really cool conversations. Thank you. And uh, and and shout out to the the guests we've had so far. I say we as if there's somebody else behind me <laughs> doing any kind of producing, but the royal um, we. <laughs> yes, the royal we. Um, I've just honestly, I've been blessed that uh, I've been able to call on some friends to to come on and share more of their story. Uh, some repeat guests from the old podcast, but telling new stories. And of course, you could, I, I could, 
I could have talked to the entire world before last year and still talk to them again now. And you'd have a completely different podcast yeah. because of the pandemic. So, uh, so I've had some really, really good friends come on. I've got several more people, like I'm looking at my upcoming schedule and it's, it's just really cool to see some of the names on there. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to shout out yeah, any, yeah. anybody specifically, but, um, just the idea that, that people are, are willing to come on and share with me their stories, knowing that I've got my story to share as well, that it's not just a solo podcast. I, again, like you talked about before, I can't pull that off. I can't talk for eight to 10 minutes, let alone, you know, 30 to 40 by myself. It's just, it's just not my thing. So if somebody wants to listen to the podcast, it's the Aaron Bender podcast, and you can link to it at AaronBender.com. That's one A, one R, one O, one N, Bender.com. All the, the platforms are linked through that. You can follow me on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Aaron Bender. On TikTok, where I don't really post as much as I should <laughs> because I'm not getting into the algorithm, but it's uh, at Aaron Bender Media. I'm also on Facebook. If you search Aaron Bender, you should be able to find me, but it, I, I think it's facebook.com slash Aaron Bender Media. Okay. So it's like I, I, couldn't, I couldn't grab that one because I... I ditched all social media after life blew up, yeah. you know, yeah. that's the last place I wanted to be. The last place I needed to be was social media. And so I was, I was grateful to be able to get back, uh, at Aaron Bender on Twitter and Instagram, but it's Aaron Bender media on Facebook and TikTok. Terrific. And last but not least, campkesem.org. Yeah. My wife is still with us in that she found last year about this time, I shouldn't say about this time because the pandemic had already taken hold, but early last year after learning that, you know, the, the cancer that she had fought a couple of years ago had come back, she found this organization, Camp Kesem, K-E-S-E-M, and they help kids through and beyond their family member's cancer. It's most often a parent's cancer, but it's a family member's cancer. Um, it's been around for, for quite some time. And last year they've, they've got chapters all throughout the country and it's mainly college students helping out, you know, like all the camp counselors, they're all college students. The chapter we go through is through Cal state Northridge and USC. And, you know, they have actual camps once the pandemic is, is over probably next year, they'll get back to actual summer camps, but even without the, the, the physical camps that you would think of, they still do all the kind of Zoom meetings and everything like that. And they just go through donations. And so after my wife passed away, it was not something that she had asked for specifically, but I felt like she would have approved of. And I, I asked people in her obituary that if they want to, you know, instead of sending gifts or something like that, if they want to contribute. And so I, I know a lot of people did. And I just had a, a birthday fundraiser through Facebook, which again, I had no idea even existed prior to, <laughs> uh, but I just had a birthday fundraiser and people were super generous. Um, I, I think I set a $500 goal and people showed up with like 14 or $1,500. Wow. It was just, it was just truly blessed to have people around us who, who care and support us and support the causes. So yeah, Kemp Kesem is, is that's the one. 
that's, and that's campkesem.org c-a-m-p-k-e-s-e-m.org campkesem.org that's the one Aaron Bender, A-R-O-N, Bender. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming in, man. This is this is cool hanging out with you again. Corey, and I, I can't wait until we can actually uh, hang out, we go grab a beer, do whatever, and and just just get to hang like, yeah. like friends should, man. Like friends should. Well, it's coming up, man. Uh, I don't know if uh, OTJ is opening up, but we got to do that or something downtown Newhall and <laughs> maybe reel in the mayor with us. <laughs> I, I would love that. I would love that. And, and don't tell him I'm going to record it for the podcast for the signal news podcast as well. But uh, <laughs> actually when this episode comes out, you said Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, I'll have just had the second dose, the second oh. shot of the vaccine. Oh, okay. Uh, I've got the Pfizer vaccine because I'm a teacher. So I've, I've, I've got that coming. So I hope that because everybody says that second dose Sometimes uh, it kind of wallops you. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see if I'm upright by the time this episode actually comes out. Yeah, my mom was okay. My dad was, ended up passing out for about 18 hours, but he was Oof. good to go. Once he, once he woke up, uh, he was good to go. I'm he, looking at my schedule for next Wednesday and Thursday. I've yeah. got too much to do, Corey. <laughs> I, I can't afford to get knocked on my butt. Nope. Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not up to you, man. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, let's go back to what we talked about earlier. Just no control, man. I yeah. just, I, I give, I, I do what I can. I give the rest to God. Corey, thank you so much. I love you, brother. Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you for joining us today. If you appreciate what you've heard here, please go to iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and leave a review. That really helps move us up the chart so others can find out what we're up to here. For Ronnie Nathan, I'm Corey Nathan, and we've been talking politics and religion without killing each other. We'll be back in a few days to do our little part in Tikkun Olam. Oh, 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 oh,